Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth, or innovation in her organization or community? The second annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway. So whether a friend, a family member, or peer, give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate, and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities, and the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash W-O-I to nominate the women of influence in your life today. If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hello, beautiful human, and welcome to another episode of In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen, and today my guest is Brandy Michelle Hudson, an intuitive and happiness coach who currently guides other powerhouse women in their pursuit of happiness. Brandy found herself having checked all the boxes of success. We already know what that looks like, right? (laughs) And she even had more money than she ever imagined having, yet she felt unfulfilled. Her corporate achievements did not provide the joy or the sense of purpose that she was raised to believe they would. And I'll tell you, I have been in that boat as well, and I'm sure a few of you can relate. Well, Brandy is obsessed with human potential, and so she decided to channel that energy and double down on studying things like happiness, success, personal development, and their intersection. She used this knowledge to develop a very unique process that has become foundational to living your purpose. It centers around beliefs, alignment, self-awareness, and emotions. And now, Brandy helps high-achieving women realize that happiness needs to be a goal, not just an outcome of other achievements. Brandy's work is more than helping her clients hit those big goals. It's about guiding them to achieve that success while also staying true to their values and their purpose. So if you're ready, let's get in the details with Brandy Michelle. Brandy, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. And I'm really excited about our chat today. Absolutely. Our little conversation as we were vibing before I hit record, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. So yes, listeners, get ready, get ready. (laughs) I think it would be best if we start with your journey. And if you could tell us a little more about what that journey looked like and how it inspired you to become a happiness and intuitive coach. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to share. You know, I am a little girl from Detroit, Michigan, who, you know, grew up in this big city and I didn't have a ton of exposure to kind of what was out there and what was possible, but I had two really loving parents who kind of set me on this path of achievement. And so um, as any dutiful daughter, I followed that path and I had, you know, a life that was, was pretty great. Right. So I, you know, went to really good schools. I, you know, graduated from the University of Michigan, where I was a a four-time letter winner and tried out for the Olympics and, you know, was a Big Ten champion. And then I got this great job, you know, running sales organizations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just felt like everything was really falling into place. And, you know, I was checking all the boxes that my parents had ever set for me. And then one day I took a step back and I just, I thought about it and I thought to myself, well, all of these achievements, all of these things, all of these boxes that I've checked were supposed to lead to this like euphoric happiness that was unending. 
and it wasn't that I was unhappy. Right. And so, but it was, and it wasn't that I was depressed or anything of that nature, but it just felt like, is this all there is? Right. And, and I'd always been obsessed with human potential. I'd always been, you know, reading about it. And I felt that I really use my brain in this special way to have all that success. Right. Like I say, you know, the better it gets, the better it gets. And it was at a point in my life where I just, I did feel invincible. Like I felt like if I, that my success was inevitable, anything that I set my mind to was going to come to fruition. And I had lots of evidence to prove that. And so I just shifted and said, well, I'm going to really focus my intention now on having this like full sense of purpose, this full sense of alignment with myself and really like raising my personal happiness set point. And what I found was that from that space, I still had the success that I'd had throughout my life, but it came much more easily. There was lots less friction in my life. There were so many synchronicities where things just lined up really perfectly. And my old life had been one where, yes, you know, I became VP of sales, but, you know, there was a battle around like, you know, was I the right person for the role? And yes, I'd, you know, like, would get the house, but there'd always be like a last minute shift or change that I had to navigate. And, and I thought those were normal, but those are actually a result of kind of not healing and clearing and being in this really beautiful place. And when you're in a beautiful place, you get the success, but you get to leave the friction behind. And so when I, when I got there and I just felt that euphoria that I'd always been aspiring to, I felt it was my purpose to help other people realize that you can have both. Mm, I love that. I love that because a lot of people, well, I definitely have seen this, so I won't say a lot, but I have seen this too often, right? Mm-hmm. Where what happens is we start to achieve all these things. As you mentioned, we start to check these boxes and we think we should feel happy. And we try to fake that fulfillment, if you will, <laughs> And then this is the part where I see a lot of people when they do have that and things, you know, we'll say air quotes in place, then they feel guilty that they don't feel happy or they don't feel fulfilled. And that right there is like, that's a tough place to be. And it's like, gosh, I, I should feel like I have everything. It should feel good. And like, and life is great. And also, and my best friend and I talk about this a lot, how you can feel two conflicting things in one moment. Like that's literally the complexity of being human. <laughs> Absolutely. I I think you're so right, right? Because you'll look outside of you and you'll see all of these people who have achieved less or have less and there is conflict in your brain. Like how can I not be in this place of just sheer joy that I am one of the fortunate few, right? Like from a numbers perspective, but then that, own conflict causes additional friction in your life, right? Because we're kind of in both of these places. And so I think it's fair, right? Like what we want to do is not, we don't want to pile on, right? Like we don't want to be in this place of like, I'm not feeling my best, even though I have this wonderful life and then being hard on ourselves for feeling that way, right? Because we're then compounding it. And so really accepting that like, all emotions are normal. And instead of like being hard on yourself, having grace with yourself, and then just like deciding what the, what the path forward is. Yes. Deciding the path forward. And you mentioned something that's very common when people start to transition and 
I would also say like transform their life because when we go through this transformation, it's usually shedding those societal norms or the expectations of other people and, and really aligning ourselves what, with what we're feeling and what we know, what I like to call our inner guide is trying to show us and, and tell us, it's, which is what you talk about in your practice with intuition. And one of the key indicators that, hey, maybe I'm not in the place that I need to be is what you mentioned, which is this friction and tension and constant stress, which sadly is normalized when we should be normalizing ease and flow and joy. Oh, exactly. I mean, we have gotten to a point in our society where like worry, anxiety, like all of these emotions, which are part of the human experience, but they've been normalized as that should be the bulk of it. Right. That's standard. That's standard that you feel that way. And, And then we've recategorized excitement, right? Like excitement that I, you know, am getting married, excitement that I got a house, excitement that I got a promotion. We've recategorized that as happiness, right? Whereas we should be in a baseline state of happiness. That is our birthright to be in that place. And then to know when friction shows up in the form of worry, angst, fear, that that's our wisdom telling us that something needs to shift. And then we shift it and we get back to the norm. But we've grown as a society to be in this place where we just live in angst. We live in fear. We hold on to shame. And there's these really beautiful tools that we can use to move out of that and to be in this, this beautiful place that we deserve. Yeah. And another one I see to add to that is we accept apathy and we think like, that's just, okay, well, this is how it's going to be. And no, it doesn't have to be. I just want to shake some people like, no, there's more. (laughs) There's so much more. There's so much more. And, and sometimes you don't even realize how much more there is until you get on the path. And so that's why to your point about shaking people, it's just important to start the journey. Because as you start it, you'll be like, wow, this is such a more beautiful place to be in, right? Where I don't need, you know, all of these other things to try to get through life, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are are really scaffolding themselves and, and a little bit buffering with all types of like TV or, you know, drinking or other things to try to really insulate themselves from their feelings and like growing and evolving. Mm-hmm. I had a guest on who said, you can't get better if you don't get started. <laughs> and and sometimes it is that small shift of just starting that will, I don't think it's, I think there's always this little flame that's ignited in us that helps us to know. It's just, are we fanning that flame or are we trying to put it out? And so with it there, if you do get started, that's that flame starts to grow and it gets to a point where you can't ignore it. You cannot put it out. I mean, once you know this way of living, you're like, how did I do it any other way? And I'm curious when you made that shift, what was it like in that transition of, okay, I am choosing to shed all of these things and to start a new way of living and pursuing success. That transition time, were there any challenging moments that you had to butt up against and and grow through that really helped you to fully step into this space? Yes. So it came a point where I just was having so much, so many challenges at work, right? Like it was at the point where I was managing hundreds of millions of dollars and I was covering the United States and Canada. I had this really big job and I had a ton of success, right? Like I was a sales 
leader. So success is very objective, right? So like my teams would win and win and win. And, but there was always kind of friction in that. And that friction was just growing. And I just, it was like, do I exchange kind of like happiness for money or happiness for success or, you know, and I just was at a point where the answer was no. Right. And, and I was fortunate to be in a place where I didn't really need the job, right. Like for our family's sake. And so taking that step back and just saying like, Hey, I don't want to have this exchange. And then my husband was just like, you know, you don't have to do that. I was like, I don't, Oh, you're right. I don't, you know, and like having like a loved one, it doesn't have to be a spouse, but just someone say like, you know, you don't have to make that exchange. Right. And you don't. And so for me, that was really the tipping point, right. Where I just took a step back and said, you know, what do I want life to be about? And from that point forward, I literally just started working with and on myself every single day. It was my commitment to me. And I would wake up and like at 5 a.m. and I would sit by our fireplace and I would just journal and meditate and like ask for guidance just to like hone, like, who am I meant to be in the world? Like, how am I meant to show up? And just because I'm really good at this thing doesn't mean it's what my purpose is in this lifetime. Right. And so that was my aha moment. And that's a beautiful shift in the way that we see work even is like, you don't have work. Shouldn't just be all about what you're putting into it, but also what it's giving back to you. It is an exchange when you start to pursue your passion and your purpose. And, and even, even if you just start with the things that interest you, right. Sometimes passion and purpose can be too much of a grandiose, you know, experience and people are like, how do I get that? And, or they, we have the uh, wrong perception of what purpose looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but if you start with even just the things that interest you and that feed your soul, that becomes a much better energy exchange when it comes to how we're experiencing work. And, and even just that alone, starting right there and saying like, what do I want life to be? Which is what you just mentioned. You started by asking yourself that question is a really, really great starting point. And so I'm curious when you asked yourself that that question, what were some of the values or what were some of the, you know, adjectives or characteristics that started to pop up when you thought about like, what kind of quality of life do I really want to create for myself and my family? Yeah. I, I mean, I always go back to this. Like I wanted a life of ease, right? Mm-hmm. Like I wanted life to just feel as though like I both had what I wanted and what my desires are, I feel like our desires are put on our heart because we are meant to have them, right? As long as we have good reasoning. And so I wanted those things, but I didn't want all the friction. And then when I looked back over my career and I looked at, well, what aspects of the career do I, do I like the most? And I love that I had started like ERGs to help, you know, women and people of color, like advance their careers. I love the mentoring aspect, you know, so the people part of the job I loved that. And I was like, you can keep that part of what you're doing every day. And you can like release kind of this fight to the finish of every quarter. And, you know, like who can, you know, bring in the most sales that part again, it was something I was good at, but not, I don't believe it. It's what I was meant to be, but I think that I learned so much. So I'm grateful for the experience. And I think we are a totality of our experiences. So I wouldn't exchange those, 
but that's just the work I did. And, and then I was like, okay, how can I continue to help people and partner with people, but in this new, beautiful way? Mm, I think it's interesting that you coming from a sales background where literally your objective is to drive numbers up one direction. It's only one direction for success. Up, 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 right? Up and to the right. Up and to, exactly. <laughs> I've spoken like a true sales leader there. And I uh, read this wonderful book and I had Jenny Blake on my show and there was a, a, a statement in her book, Free Time, that said, if you hit a plateau in your business and you're still okay, be grateful that you're still okay. Like basically mm-hmm. you don't have to be upset that you're not continuing to go up and to the right. Cause literally if all of your needs are met, if you're happy, if you're good, if you feel fulfilled, like that is okay. And so it does take, again, a huge shift in how we view money and financial success how do you define financial success? And why do you think it's important for you know, entrepreneurs and, and business owners to align their values and purpose with those goals, those financial goals? Yeah, I don't, I don't actually necessarily think that we have to align our value and purpose with financial goals. I want to stipulate that. I think that we all need resources to live, right? And so I think it's important to decide, right, kind of the resources that you need for your own livelihood. And I also think it's important to think about, like from our family's perspective, we try to think about like how we can, you know, serve the world also with the resources that we have brought into our family. And we have very clear mission and values around that, like how we can make a difference and and give people additional opportunities. And so I think that is how I would tell people to think about kind of resources and And I think it's true, right? Like I, you know, live in San Francisco and there's a lot of success here. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you'll hear your neighbors and they'll be like, you know, I'm really just on this path to become a billionaire. And I'm like, great. And like, what will you do with that? Mm -hmm. What difference will your life have? You know, and so people get these goals. Like I want to be a millionaire. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. I want to be a billionaire. And they make these goals, but not to any end. There is no like reason. There's nothing you can do differently in life with maybe one number than another. It's really just the perception, right? Like you get on a list if you have a certain amount of money and you don't get on a list if you don't. And so I always tell people that the goal isn't actually the most important part. It's really about the reason, the rationale. Like, why do you want that? Like, are you able to clearly articulate kind of what that will mean for your life and what that will mean, you know, for around your purpose? And so I think once you're really clear on your reason, Mm -hmm. like why you want to achieve something like your reason for wanting to do the work that you're doing, and then your reason for wanting to have the financial remuneration that you're wanting. And if you feel really connected to those things, then it's inevitable that you'll align to it, right? Mm -hmm. It's when we have these like goals and we just want them because we want them, right? Or we want them because we think it will make us something different, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, right? And And I think that when you want something so bad or you want something for the wrong reason, then you get on this hamster wheel. And that's when you're going to have lots of friction show up. You may still achieve it, but it's not going to just, life won't be easy. 
And well, what I'm hearing then is that it's more so about, it may not completely align. You may not think of financial success of how it aligns with your values. You may be thinking of it from the space of how it supports your values. So for example, you said something that's important to you all is how you can provide for others. And when you think about your financial success, it's not just about your family, but also how it's going to maybe go into the community, how it's going to support, you know, women entrepreneurs or people of color, all of that. So for, for me, as I'm hearing you speak, because I connect very much with this, I think about my financial success as it pertains to what I have as a vision for my life. And so, so therefore, if somebody said, Oh, I want to make a million dollars. You're like, okay, that's great. As you said, right. Like why, how is that, how's that helping? Where where is that, you know, or is it just that you want to get on the list? So when you think about your financial success, it is important to think how it supports your purpose and your values. Absolutely. Yes. Right. And like this global purpose and values, right? Mm -hmm. So like, Mm -hmm. what is your mission for your life? Like I always tell people, maybe start with like, when all is said and done, what do you want to be known for? Right. And so I would like to be known for being, you know, a wonderful family member, a very loyal and dedicated friend who had beautiful friendship. I want to be known for impacting the community and helping to make the world a better place. And most importantly, I want my son to say I was an amazing mom. Right. And so, yeah. And so when you know that and you have that very clear and I keep everything on my wall, right. So that I'm always like, centered on my mission, centered on my vision, centered around my values. And then you know that as you take action, that they continue to align with those things. Mm-hmm. In this journey of us becoming and, mm-hmm. and achieving all these things, there's a lot that can get in the way. And kind of what you and I have talked about though, is the, we know what guides us. It's everything that's inner. And then what I'm now just by default assuming you mean is that there could be these external things that get in the way, but also even limiting beliefs. Those are internal too, right? And so when you think about how we can pursue our vision for for purpose, I'm sure that you coach uh, clients on how they can overcome, whether it's external factors or their own limiting beliefs, because there's one thing to have clarity and, and that feels good. You can get momentum going there but you can also get stuck in these things that are getting in the way. So how do you make sure, I'm sure you're pulling from your own toolbox and what you're teaching for your clients. So how do you manage limiting beliefs or external factors that are getting in the way of your vision? And and how do you coach your clients on how they can do that too? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I will say that I believe deeply that all friction, however it shows up, external or internal, starts with us, right? Mm -hmm. So I believe that we have these beliefs and our brain is so incredibly powerful that it's creating our external experiences, Mm -hmm. right? And so as we're creating these external experiences, we, especially early in our journey, we will point external to us and say like that needs to change in order for my life to be different. But the only control that we have is us. And the reason why two people can traverse life and feel wholly different, even though they have very similar experiences, is because their brains are different, right? And so when we harness the power of our brain, we start to see our external reality mirrors that because our brain is trying to look through an aperture that we've created. And so while there's 8 billion people, which means that there are 
trillions of experiences going on at any given moment, the aperture through which I see the world is wholly created by my own brain. And I have created these neural pathways. And so the first thing that I do with clients is I take them through this first day and we talk about the importance of curiosity, like really believing that you don't know everything and being willing to change and being willing to explore alternate perspectives. And then the second thing is this idea of radical responsibility, right? Because when you get to this point where you're like, everything happening to me is because of me. And we're, I'm not blaming myself. I'm actually empowering myself to change my entire life. Yes, yes. And if I have the power to change my entire life, then no one can act on me. Mm. One of the best things I've ever heard is Joe Dispenza. He always says when he has, you know, a relationship that's trouble with someone else in the world, he fixes it by himself. Mm. You don't need two people to fix a relationship. It's you. And it's always you. And it's, it's, it's the most power I've ever felt in my life. No matter what happens, I'm like, oh, I can fix it. And so the second part of your question, this idea, like, what do I do? I really sit, like, if you take a step back, especially as we get older, you'll realize that life is just a series of patterns Mm -hmm. and they continue to show up until you get the wisdom, the lesson of that pattern. Right. And so the friction that I feel today is actually very similar probably to the friction I've been feeling for the last, you know, 10, 20 years, but I haven't dialed into it. Mm-hmm. And so as I have grown and healed, I have improved my intuitive ability. And so once I noticed like, oh, like that showed up and then I just, I really sit with myself and I ask, I wonder what it is in me that is causing that to show up. Right. And so I tell people that when there's challenges in your life or even pain in your body, right? You notice that the pain shows up in the exact same spot. Mm -hmm. The challenge is also that same pattern, right? And the quicker we are to take a step back and evaluate what is it in me that is causing this to happen and then take intentional action to shift that, then the world will shift right away. Absolutely. Oh, you're using all my language. We shifting, we're shifting. And I was looking to see this book, uh, Charles Clay was talking about this inner healing. He said, when you have these different elements, pain points in your body, and this is from Louise Hay, but he said, you can use that book and it'll kind of give you indicators of, for example, your back, or even if you said your knee in the back of your knee, well, the back part of your body is very symbolic of support. So maybe you feel a lack of support in other areas. Now, I find this very, very interesting because at first I was like, ooh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, that sounds like we're just, and then I started to practice it, Brandy. And I was like, holy moly, this is some real stuff because what I what I understood, but then when I started to dive deeper into was how our thoughts start to create this physiological experience. And the first part for me, the, the first learning point was understanding how any toxic thoughts or belief that we're repeating internally, and that then becomes a lens of how we see life and how we're living it, how that starts to fire off cortisol in our brain, which is the stress hormone that actually makes everything go off track, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really not, it's not hard to capture, 
when you start to dive into those details, those intricate details, because once we start to see that, then we see how much of what you're talking about, we can really start to take control of. Like, mm-hmm. I, I truly believe, and I've said this before in my own life, I knew that really working on my mindset was not going to change the problems that I was experiencing or the tragedy that had already happened. I knew it was going to change me and how I experienced the tragedy and how I experienced life and how I responded to life. Mm -hmm. And to your point, you are the only person who can actually be in the driver's seat of your experiences of life. And Mm -hmm. through your mindset and through you being very intentional about what thoughts you're holding on to, what limiting beliefs you're keeping close that maybe you need to release, when you become very intentional about recognizing them, identifying them so that you can then release them and move into a healthier thought pattern and therefore healthier lifestyle. That right there is literally the ultimate freedom. It's not a problem-free life. No, It it is the mindset that frees you from all of these different problems that will come up and frees you from those problems becoming burdens. Exactly right. And, And you'll get to a point which it sounds like you have, where you just don't even view those things as problems, mm-hmm. you know? And so this is why we have, especially in America, like people who see the exact same situation completely differently, right? So the situation is the same, right? There is only one truth about the situation. Now there's hundreds of millions of observations about it, right? And we all are observing that truth through our own lens. And we do have this really beautiful ability to take a step back and say, is it possible that I can see this differently? Mm. And as you start to see your life differently, you start to experience it differently. And then yes, you'll still have more challenges because like that's part of the human experience. But those challenges, they won't feel so burdensome and they'll be fewer and further between. And who knows, maybe they're exactly the same, but the fact that you don't believe they are is is the value. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And also part of this journey is you were talking a little bit about earlier is uh, getting to know your, I called inner guide and you talk about your intuition. I have found, I mean, Brandy, I can't even tell you, like that is been the most valuable tool in decision-making. It makes, it, it helps me stay in flow talking about flow and friction. Mm-hmm. It helps me stay in flow and also get back into flow a lot quicker. How do you help your clients differentiate between their intuition and maybe any external factors, whether they're societal expectations or, or fear-based thoughts. And I, when I say external, I don't mean outside of them. I mean, outside of their inner guide, outside of their yeah. intuition, how do you help them to really strengthen that relationship with their intuition so that they can differentiate? Yes. I love that. I mean, I think even for me, I was talking to my stepmom yesterday. It's like always a constant work in progress, right? Like, (laughs) but what I notice, right. Is when I don't follow my knowing my intuition that something happens and I'm like, Oh, you had a knowing about that and you didn't follow it. Right. And so even the other day I was late for something. And as I was going to an event, I had a knowing that I shouldn't park in this lot, but I was running a little bit late and I parked in the lot. And so then when I parked in the lot, 
it was valet and they took forever to get my car and it made me late for the next thing. Right. And so it was like, you had a knowing not to park there. And this is something very little, uh, but you did it anyway. And then it threw your entire day off. Right. And, and luckily the person that I was late for next had a lot of grace with me. Right. And so I was grateful for that, but that's a little thing. And so the first thing I teach people in terms of like following their own intuition is this idea of just really reconnecting with yourself, right? Because I think we become so disconnected with like who we are. And that's actually why we can't discern the difference between fear and intuition and outside influence, right? And so really like taking time to be with yourself every day. So couple of things I ask my clients to do every day is to meditate. And even if you start by just like simple mindfulness for just five minutes per day, just to be with yourself and with your thoughts and with your breath, right? That's going to help you to reconnect. And then I ask people to journal every day for, you know, a couple of pages or 15 minutes, whatever feels most comfortable for them. But this idea of just getting to know yourself again, because most humans, we just move so far away, right? And then we check in and we learn like, what does intuition feel like? And what does fear feel like? They feel differently, right? They're both like a, something in your body that's tapping you, but they feel differently. Intuition feels calm and peaceful. And it's like this little whisper. There's this knowing fear feels like fear, right? To your point, cortisol appears when we start to feel fear. And so if you are every time you go outside worried that something's going to happen to you, that's not your intuition. That's just fear because it's not possible that every time you walk outside, right? Like in San Francisco, where we have lots of petty crime, but we have very little like you know, human impact crime. And so if every time you walk outside, you are worried, that's irrational. That is fear because it's not really that risky, right? The data doesn't support that. And so, and so we want to use our fear, our intuition, intuition comes up as fear when something is actually, when there's a risk, because it's telling us there is an imminent risk in this moment and you need to shift. Mm -hmm. We can't be fearful every single day, right? And so you start to feel the difference between the two. Like, what is my knowing? And then also I ask people to just record it. When did you not follow your guidance? And it turned out to be right. And just write it down. Mm-hmm. And, and that writing it helps you realize just how often you're guided. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm pretty direct with my clients. They always laugh, but I, I get pretty direct and, and I, at, right. Like when people are telling me like, well, I know I should do this. And I, I know, I know, I know, but I'm going to do this thing. And then I, I said, so you think you know better than, you know, your infinite intelligence, your highest self, yeah. your <laughs> highest self. Right. And so, and then they're like, well, that's not what I'm saying. Like, but that is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You're saying like, if you're going to take this alternate route mm-hmm. and there's no way of knowing, right. Like I get little things like where I'm looking for something in my home and I'll just get a ping, like, go turn on your computer. And I'm like, okay. And so I come over here and turn on my computer. And what I was looking for is like right on my desk. And I'm like, oh, that's why you just sent me to turn on my computer because it's right there. And I don't need to be like looking yeah. up and down every floor. Right. And so, and then when you start to also note how often it's right. Man. And actually you start to hear it a lot faster too. I have a funny story. Share. So, 
not, it's not funny, but it is funny in hindsight. So I, my son was at a sixth grade, uh, field trip and I was one of the chaperones. It was an outing, not really a field trip. They were doing putt, putt golf. And there were a couple of girls and they were, I don't know why kids are just different these days. They're like trying to trip each other. I'm like my friends and I didn't play like that, but okay, no judgment. Let me, let me not judge. So they're trying to trip each other and they go over and they start doing this with Caleb, my son. They tried to kick the shins to, sh- to trip each other. I know it's very strange preteens, but, uh, so I look over and I see this happening and I'm getting ready to say, Hey guys, let's not do that. And then I said, oh, don't be that mom, Karen, just let it go. No lie, Brandy. I turn around to engage in the conversation with the mom who's next to me. And all of a sudden I hear this yelp and crying and I turn over and I see my son on the ground and he just broke his left arm because one of the girls tried to kick him while he was running away down a little hill. So in that moment, I was like, never will I ever ignore my intuition again, because what I had done over the years to strengthen this was a couple of things. You mentioned one of them was I got to know myself because I got to know myself. I learned to trust myself. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of this, I even learned how to love myself more deeply. And I really feel like when we do those things, when we learn to love ourselves, where we get to know ourselves, and then that actually develops into trusting ourselves, that makes that tuition so clear. I mean, you can hear it like somebody is right next to you saying, hey, you should go and stop that, or hey, you shouldn't park here, or hey, you should go to that. It just becomes very, very, very clear. And then when you don't listen to it, that's literally you saying, I'm going to completely ignore this because it's there. It's present. It becomes active as you strengthen that. I would say muscle, but maybe that's not the right word. (laughs) No, I think that's true, right? Like I think to know that you are fully guided Mm -hmm. is the best gift you can give yourself, right? Like, Like we are fully guided. We are not meant to kind of go through life by happenstance right? Like we're fully guided and we have to trust that. And I think all of the work that we do around personal development and our own journey and evolution really does boil down to that idea of like self-love and work, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. knowing I love myself so deeply and I know that I am worthy of having the life that I aspire to. And that's it. Like that's all like in a nutshell, that's what we're doing. And that is the lesson we are all here to learn, Mm -hmm. right? And no one will ever love you more than you love you. And no one will ever give you more than you believe you deserve. And so when you really sit in that space, then you see how the world opens up for you. And then I think that's just a gift that we can continue to to give each other in a world that's really in a bad place overall right now, where people don't know just how worthy they are and how deserving they are of everything that they aspire to. Mm-hmm. Because the more that we live it, the more we can be an example to others that it's possible. Yeah. Mm. Before we close, what is one piece of advice or wisdom that you would share with our listeners who want to find both success and fulfillment in their lives? Well, I, we just touched on it, but I, what I always try to convey to people is, is to know that you're worthy. Is to know that you are deeply worthy and you are worthy in, in all aspects of life. So you are worthy of having the relationships you want, both platonic and romantic. You are worthy of having the career success and financial abundance that you're seeking. And you are worthy of having the health and well-being that you are looking for. And when you embody that worthiness at a soul's level, at a cellular level, then 
your life is going to be a beautiful representation of all that you're seeking. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. Well, where can people connect and learn more about all this beautiful work that you're doing? Oh, thank you. My website is www.brandy with an I, Michelle, M-E-C-H-E-L-E.com. And if you go to the website, there'll be a link in the show notes. We have a journal entry that I publish on the first and 15th of every month that we'd love for people to sign up for. It just gives tips around the work that that people are doing with themselves. And then I also have an upcoming course that launches on the first Monday of every month. And it's a four week online course that it's called the joy blueprint. And it just helps people raise their happiness set point and kind of look, look at life a little bit differently. Mm, I love that. We will make sure that all of those goodies are linked in the show notes. Brandy, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your wisdom and those intimate insights that have not only helped you in your personal journey to success, but they're helping so many others. Thank you. Oh, Karen, thank you so much for having me. You said this was just going to be a chat amongst friends. And I I really felt that. I'm so (laughs) glad to have met you. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Thank you. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.